Welcome to Church at the Well podcast. Thank you for joining us. Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 15. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be here together as a family. Lord, we ask that you would speak very clearly through the power of your Holy Spirit to our hearts and our minds that we might leave here different than when we came in. And Lord, we ask that Jesus would receive all the glory. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm the lead pastor of Church at the Well. If you're new, welcome. Um, if you are new and this is your first time, at the end of the service, there'll be some people standing over at the back there, and you, we have a gift for you. You are welcome to go and say hi um, and get some more information about the church. Um, we started this series through Ecclesiastes a while ago, and last week was kind of this shift. Praise God, there was a shift, because... I was starting to get a little depressed. Um, what's interesting about the book of Ecclesiastes is that we have this guy named Solomon who was a king and the richest man that has ever lived on the planet and had whatever he wanted. And we went through a lot of that. He's basically analyzing his life and attempting to provide wisdom to us to say, hear from an individual who has attempted and achieved everything that as we live in this country, our culture and our world tells us that we need. And let me tell you how it went for me, right? And last week, we finally made this transition where he kept saying things like, man, there's just nothing good. It just doesn't matter. What's the point? We finally got to this point of the gospel last week where we understand that Solomon saying, all of these things that we do in life, they're fine. 
but they're nothing without Jesus, right? And then we get to this really cool poem. And if you've never been in church or you don't know anything about church world, um, if you don't, if you've never heard of the book of Ecclesiastes, or even if you've grown up in church and you've never really read through the book of Ecclesiastes very much, you probably have heard this poem before, right? If you've gone to a funeral in your lifetime, oftentimes there's references to this specific poem that are, that are given. And what the poem is specifically talking about is time. Um, time is interesting. I, I was processing through this weekend, like, the time that has been spent this weekend by Church at the Well engaging the community has been phenomenal. And I don't know if you, you know, not, I know not everybody is able to get engaged in everything that's going on, but just yesterday, so we had a group from the church that was participating in this crazy, like, Alice in Wonderland thing all through North End and just having fun representing Jesus with other people that are there. And then we have this group that Pastor Matt took to... Um, I don't even know where they were, and like an hour from here. And we're representing the coffee house and serving a bunch of people and talking about what we do. And I just heard nothing but amazing things about what went on there. And then last night, we have this event at the coffee house downtown. It was Harry Potter trivia night where individuals are invited in and we're just once again having a good time building relationships. And I, so I was sitting here singing this morning. All I could think about was how amazing it is that the people of God are spending their time engaging our culture and building relationships for the glory of Jesus. And when you just look at what happened yesterday, it was overwhelming to think about. Like Church at the Well people were everywhere just engaging. And I thought, man, this is so cool. Yesterday flew by. Like I felt like time was just moving so quick. But I also know that there's days when that doesn't really feel like the case. Have you ever had those days where you're like, okay, <laughs> I really need this day to come to an end. Like it feels like time is going so slow, right? When we think about time, there's moments of like excitement. It, everyone in here at some point has gone on some sort of vacation or gone to some place that you love and you'll talk about how quickly the day has moved forward, right? Man, it seems like when I'm on vacation, time's moving rapid. When I'm working, time's moving really slow, right? Like we experience that. Or in times of heartache, it can feel like, man, is any time passing at all, right? Or, I mean, I have to talk to this person or I have uh, a job interview or I have something coming up where we have to engage with this individual and it feels like time's moving so quick and I want it to slow down. So I was born in, on February 25th, 1975. Okay? Where's my people? <laughs> Where's my old people? Um, so February 25th, 1975. And since the day I was born, up until this point, every single day that I have ever lived has had 24 hours in it. Every day. It's amazing. It's, there's just consistency to life that is just the sun has come up every time. The sun has gone down every time. There's things that happen, there's things that transpire, there's things that I wish I hadn't done, there's things that I wish I did do, there's regrets in my life, there's failures in my life, there's good things in my life. The one thing that is this, this constant is every day is 24 hours. 
You know, I, I find myself saying things like, there's just not enough time in the day to get everything done. And yet it's the same amount of time that everyone has. There's not enough time in the week and it's always seven days, right? It's interesting how everything that we do seems to revolve around time. Some of you I know well, and you're like, you take time very seriously, right? It's, man, you need to be on time, right? Like you are insulted if someone shows up late to whatever it is, and that's cool. Others are like, and you've come from maybe a different culture, you're like, time, whatever, right? Like I have some friends who are Brazilian, and they don't care. They're like, I remember being invited once to a Brazilian barbecue, and they're like, it's going to start at 5. So we got there at 5, and nobody showed up till 8. And I was like, this is awkward. I'm here for like three hours before the party really starts. Time is relative based upon how you process, what your culture does, how you think, maybe your past experiences. But the reality is it's still, you have 24 hours in a day. You have 60 minutes in an hour, Right? So how we handle time is really interesting. And this specific poem, that's what it's dealing with. And I'm not going to go through every one of these. Like, I, there, there's cool stuff here. It's, there's some really neat, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give you a few observations through this poem. But basically, the passage that we're going through today, the poem begins in verses, you know, one through nine, and then, or one through eight. And then nine, there's like a question. And then the rest of this passage, 10 through 15, is basically the interpretation of the poem, which thank God, because if you don't know much about poetry, or you say you don't really like poetry, then you get the interpretation here, right? Now, I happen to like poetry. Um, I'm a big Shakespeare fan, which some of you are like, what in the heck is wrong with you? Um, I don't know. For some reason in school, it clicked. I tend to be a decently emotional guy, so poetry relates to me. If you say you don't like poetry, but you like music, then you lie to yourself because all, all music is is poetry set to a beat, right? What makes poetry so powerful, what makes music so powerful is it hits our emotions, right? There's something that, that strikes us the way that something sung, the way that something is said, it's, it's intended to cause us to have an emotional response to either what's written or what we're singing. And in this case, the same thing's true. But what makes the interpretation of poetry difficult is that if you're a poet and you write, you write poems, when you're writing that, you're going through something and you're attempting to express an emotion and then when others read, may not be going through that emotion that you wrote that poem about, right? And so poetry can kind of become complex. The author of a poem may intend one thing, but as you read it, something is reminding you of something else, and it becomes very kind of artsy in that way, right? But when we look at God's Word and we look at the genre of poetry, and there's a whole lot of poems in Scripture what we have to do is we have to come back to, this was written by the Holy Spirit. It's, a, it's intended to engage our emotions, but we don't want to, to read poems in Scripture and say, okay, well, how does this make me feel and how do I interpret this? What we want to do is look at what is the author intending here? Because the Holy Spirit has very specific emotions in mind. And so we're looking at, Solomon wrote this poem. What was Solomon feeling when he wrote this? If he's the wisest man that's ever lived outside of Jesus, then what was he attempting to convey to those who were going to read this poem in the future? 
And he begins with this. So turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. If you're not there, it begins with, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So we know right off the bat, he's going to talk about time. There's this, he's going to introduce this poem and he's saying, there's, there are seasons of life. And I am realizing this more and more. As you get older, what you realize is that seasons come and seasons go. And we're not talking about just fall, winter, spring, summer. Yeah, seasons. But seasons of life change. Like you look at, I, I tell people all the time, it feels like I've lived like eight lives, right? So I have this, these memories of me being a child. That feels like a different life ago, Right? And there were seasons even within that life. And then I went to school and that felt different. I got married, that felt different. I raised kids, that was a different season. I'm now out of this time where I'm trying to figure out what does it look like for Christy and I to parent adult children, and that's a new season. There's been seasons when I owned businesses. There's seasons when I've been in full-time ministry. Every one of those seasons makes my life feel and look a little bit different. But even in those moments, what we go through personally as human beings, there's seasons that go on. So I might be in a season where I'm pastoring this church right now, but the seasons of life that I'm going through impact even how I pastor. And it changes. Seasons change. You, I don't, I, it's hard to see you guys with the lights. I, I know a lot of you. And some of you, I know kind of what season you're going through right now. Some of you are going through a growing season. Some of you are going through a season that feels just like pain. Some of you are going through a season that is just overwhelmingly joyful and you can't help but smile. And I don't know what season you're going through, but I will tell you that season's going to change, right? Like if you're like sitting right now and you're like, I don't ever want life to change right now, this is it. I can, only thing I can guarantee you is it's going to right? Or if you're in a moment where you're like, please, God, please, I'm begging you, please make a change. I don't know how much longer I can handle this season. I can promise you it will change, right? And that's what this poem's pointing out. If you look at the way the poem is written, it's written in these doublets where you kind of have and these stanzas that talk about kind of the opposite. So it's like love and hate. And then the next line kind of enhances that a little bit in a practical way, right? And like I said, I don't need to go through all of this, but what I do want to do is go through the first, the first one at least. In verse two, it says this, a time to be born and a time to die. We talked about this last week. You're here. I know you were born because you're here. Well done. Congratulations, you were born, Right? You also know, we talked about this last week, there's come a, there, there will come a point where you will die. That's going to happen. And we don't know when, but it's going to happen. The rest of this poem is describing what happens between. You were born, you will die, but what's going on in between, that's everything that's being described here. So as you read this poem this week, and I would encourage you to, be, like, I don't know what season you're in, but something here is going to hit you, right? There's a, there's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time to love. There's a time to hate. Some of you are like, wait, Scripture says we're supposed to hate? Yes. We're supposed to hate everything that God hates. We're supposed to, right? 
There's a time for peace. There's a time for war. Wait, war? Yeah, there's justifiable war in Scripture. There's also unjustifiable war. I think as we process our life and we think about what's being described here, there's two things that are going to happen as you read it. First, you might resonate with one of these stanzas, stanzas really hard right now. Because you're like, that's, that's where I'm at. In this poem that's describing this time between my birth and my inevitable death, this is what I'm feeling right now. And that will resonate with you. And then here's the other cool part about this. Whether it's you don't want to leave that season or you're in a season that you want to leave, the other thing that's guaranteed is that there's going to be change. The season will change. We live in a world that is constantly changing. It's, it's always changing. Your interactions with people change. Your relationships change. Your, your emotions change. You I had a huge change in my life years ago when I was diagnosed with a disease, right? And it has impacted so many things in my life that I never expected it to impact. There was change. And now my life, there's a lot of components of my life that have to be, have to be filtered through the impact of that disease. There are moments that you know people recently have come into my life that that have become extremely meaningful to me well that impacts us for the rest of our life right covid and i don't want to talk about this anymore this is the last time i think i'm ever bringing up covid because i just can't do it anymore but covid has changed everything nothing nothing's going back to what it was before everything has changed we know that. To, to think that it's going to just revert back to, oh, it's, I just can't wait till it gets back there. You're like, you don't understand like, what people individually went through during this time. There's emotional scars. There's hurt. There's pain. There was isolation. It impacts. It changes things. I don't know what's next, but I do know that I can guarantee you sometime this season, there will be some kind of act of God. It'll be a hurricane, it'll be a tornado or something, and it's going to change people's lives forever. And there's going to be a new season. Some of you are going to stay, and you're going to have a new season. Some of you are going to leave, and you're going to have a new season. Some of you are going to get involved in something that you've never done before. It's going to be a new season. I... My wife and I, Christy, have been taking ballroom dancing lessons, okay? I'm a terrible dancer. In fact, we went to a, a session not too long ago, and it was, you were supposed to dress up, and I'm like, I'm here dressed as a dancer because that's as fake as I can get, right? Um, that's a new season for me, right? I, it's interesting. Everything changes over time. For those of you who have parents, or, or, sorry, of course you have parents. For those of you who are parents, right, and you have kids, talk to some people who have gone through the process of raising children and listen to these key moments of the seasons that they went through. Your kids will change. Some of you are like, please, right? It will happen. Some changes will happen for the good. Some changes will happen for the bad. Other challenges will come into play. Everything 
changes. There's a time and a place and a season for everything under heaven. Now, what's interesting is you know this. It's not like I'm telling you something you don't know. But I think when it comes to poetry and read something like this, sometimes we're like, what's really the point? Like, why is this attempting to hit my emotions and explain something to me that I already know? When I told you that the next half of this is basically the interpretation, I think that's where we kind of get some relief to go, okay, like if, if Solomon just gave us this poem, we would be like, okay. You know, it's like somebody, you know, there, how many songs have been written about this stuff, right? Um, it, if we're just left to try to interpret what this means, What's going to happen is our emotions are going to overtake us. And if our life in a specific season is grounded in pure happiness, then we're going to long for that. And when it doesn't happen and life changes, we're going to find ourselves in this situation where like depression or anger or hurt's going to overtake us. And that's going to be our new definition of who we are. Vice versa is the same, right? If you just go, man, I'm in a season right now of pain and hurt and struggle, and that's all I'm ever going to have for the rest of my life, you won't even see the moments when the Lord begins to make changes or change comes and that joy is there. You won't have the ability to grasp it. One of the analogies that I've thought through is, so as a pastor, I work with a lot of other pastors. And one of the things that I've told them is that a lot of pastors will come into like a pastorate and what they're longing for is continued affirmation for those whom they're leading, okay? There's nothing wrong with affirmation. That's fine. I'm a words of affirmation guy. It's one of the ways that you can love me. Come tell me something nice, okay? However, if that's how you define yourself or that's what you're waiting for constantly, what I have learned is if you, if you hold so hard to things like affirmation in your life, and that's what really fills you up, then the moments that you're criticized, you're going to have to own those too, and they're really going to take you down. Which means you're constantly going to be living on this roller coaster of high highs and low lows and nothing in the middle. What's interesting about this poem and where it's going in its interpretation is it's basically saying our job as Christ followers and our ability by the Holy Spirit's grace for the glory of Jesus is that no matter what time we're in, we can stay here. Right? So to finish my analogy, when the criticisms come, and they do, I, it doesn't destroy me. When the accusations or whatever it is come, it doesn't destroy me. And then when the... When the affirmations come, it doesn't define me. It's, it's the ability to say, okay, there's change, there are seasons in life, and I am not going to be defined by those seasons. My relationship with the Lord is not going to be based upon the season that I'm in. It's going to be based on who he is and who I am. It's going to be based upon who I know he is because of Scripture. That in itself is gold. It's gold. Because when I look, and I, I, I'll pick on me a lot just for your sake, 
when I look at my life and even like my trajectory in like my effectiveness, maybe in ministry or in, on a day-to-day basis, what I see is my effectiveness can be determined by how I'm feeling. Right? You've had those days where you're like, I just don't want to get out of bed today. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, you know, I've said before, sometimes the best thing that you can do is take a holy nap, right? Like, but when those moments are like overwhelming, like I just, I don't want to get out of bed today. What we're ultimately, we find ourselves in a situation where we're actually denying the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use us for the glory of Jesus and represent him well to others. Or those, those, let me flip it, because some of you are the exact opposite. You're kind of like me, where you say, I don't want to rest. It has to be go, 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 right? That's my personality. But I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm learning more the value of rest, because in my go, 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 I tend to run over people, forget relationship, and not really make a great impact, right? So we have to take all of those things, all those seasons, all those personalities, everything that's here and say, in Christ, we see Jesus the same, we see ourselves the same, we understand that we are his, and no matter what's going on around us, our job is to represent him well, to live for him, to bring him glory, in whatever season we find ourselves in. One more thing before we get into this interpretation. You can't change time. You can't. There's no point in fighting it, right? Um, and if we do this in a lot of different ways. So I'm, I'm 47 years old. Frankly, like I look in the mirror and I don't see the same person that I saw when I was 25. I don't. Okay, I have these like bag things under my eyes now, getting wrinkles, my hair's grayer. The shorter I cut it, the less gray it looks. So that's kind of a good thing, I guess, but it's impacting, right? Like you can't stop it. Now I know plastic surgery attempts at times, Right, but then you know, you've seen it, you're like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> right? Like that, there's so much plastic on that face, it's ridiculous, right? I we can't stop time. We can't control time. You you don't have the ability to control time. You can't, you know, I we so I don't know, I guess I'm thinking Harry Potter because we were Harry Potter trivia last night, but there was in Harry Potter there's this thing called the time turner where you can like stop time and go back and attempt to change things, right? And it's like, okay, we can't do that. There's no control of time, there's no stopping of time, there's no I need this moment to slow down or I need this moment to speed up. It 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 just is here. But we spend so much time attempting to control it, right? Because we have to have control of everything. I want it when I want it, how I want it, as I want it. I don't want to wait for it. It needs to happen quickly. I want it in my time. We, time impacts us in so many ways. And the attempt for us to control it actually derails so many things. 
And so one of the beautiful things about this interpretation is having said all of that, what we're going to try to learn today is that all of those things that I just said are 100% true, and none of them need to be negative. In fact, if we embrace time for what it actually is and who's in control, it changes everything. Because we realize that it's the Lord that will move us through seasons. It's the Lord that will take us to seasons when we feel like we're in the desert. And you're like, wait, what? Do you remember the story about the Lord taking Jesus to the desert? He took his son through the desert, right? Those are intentional moments. Those are seasons that are important. There's other moments where he'll take us to a mountaintop and you get to see things that you never thought you would get to see or participate in things you never thought you'd get to participate in. But our life isn't an attempt to just get to a mountaintop. Our life under this earth before Jesus comes back is defined by hills and valleys and they're intentional. You don't grow without pain. Growing pains aren't just physical. It's, it's intended to be emotional and spiritual. We have to go through the hurt. We have to go through the celebration. We have to go through the good. It's just as important to celebrate growth as it is to feel the pain of growth, right? And depending on your personality will determine which one you kind of lean into more. But we can't control it. After this poem, well, I also think it's interesting that this is my last observation of the poem, verse eight, the last word in its peace, which is actually translated shalom. And I've defined what shalom is for you guys. Shalom is perfect peace, right? Which can't exist until Jesus comes back because we live in sin-cursed bodies, sin-cursed world. There's going to be pain. There's going to be change, constant, right? But he says there is a time for that. If you know Jesus, there's a time where you will actually experience shalom. Just rest in that for a second. Because that's, that's overwhelming. Like Jesus says, I'll wipe away your tears. He's talking about now, but when he talks about shalom that's coming when he returns, it's the removal of all tears. It's not wiping them away, they're gone. All right, how do we interpret this? In verse nine, he asks a question. What gain has the worker from his toil? What is he talking about? He's talking about all of these things that we've gone through. This isn't like... We're not talking specifically about the toil or we talked about last week or like what you're specifically doing. Like what is your vocation or what is the work that you're specifically doing? He's talking about the toil of life, right? The ups and downs, this pain. The, he's referring to the poem itself. It's okay, there's a time that you're gonna be born. There's a time you're gonna die and all this stuff that goes on in the middle. Like what is really the point? What do we do with that? We know it happens. There's no denying it. Time moves on. Things change. But how do, what do we do in the midst of that? And what we do seems to have a huge impact. What, what, what are we supposed to do with it? How do, we, how do we comprehend this? Do we just go back to the beginning of Ecclesiastes where he's just like, hey, it's all vanity. It just doesn't matter. It's just, I, I don't even know what to do. Or do we say, okay, 
I understand the reality based upon this poem. I know I can, in my experience, doesn't matter how old you are, you know that seasons change. You know that there's a time for everything under heaven. But how do I, how do I relate? How do I accept something that is impossible for me to control? What do I do with it? That's, it's a heavy burden to think about. Am I just supposed to just, like, do I just go through it and there's, like, no impact? I just, I just have to accept it? In some aspects, yes, but how we choose to accept it makes all the difference. You have to accept that you can't control time. You have to accept that you are going to toil. You have to accept that things are hard and things get harder, but there's some things that we can employ through the knowledge of Jesus that can impact the way that we view what happens during our life. And that's where this goes. So the first part, verse 10, it says, I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What is he talking about here? Okay, so we're going to talk about eternity first. Um, quick exercise. Close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. Now, pretend you don't exist. Open your eyes. You can't. Okay? Uh, I'm just telling you right now, like Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, all those really smart guys, I just summed up their entire philosophy for you. Okay, you can dive deeper if you want. But here's the reality, you exist. And there's something geared in the human brain when you try to actually think of yourself out of existence that you realize that there's something innate in you that says you will be here for eternity. You, I, I, you think, even in the, even just me saying close your eyes and think, forces you to keep yourself in existence, <laughs> right? It's, it's something that because we were created in God's image, there's a lot of really cool theology here we can't go through, but because of that, you were created for eternity. Your mind thinks that way. You can't escape it, even when you try. Because you can say, today, I'm living for the day right? I mean, I don't know, maybe you've done this or you know people, it's like, basically I exist Monday through Thursday, Friday comes and I'm a different person, Friday through Sunday, and then I start recovering, right? Like you can attempt to do that or you can say tonight is going to be the night, man. Like I am going all out, whatever that means for you, okay? But you know that no matter what, there's some form of consequence that you're going to have to deal with afterward, whether it be a headache or you're sick, or whether it be a mistake that you made in your stupidity, or whether it just be something as simple as, man, I shouldn't have stayed up till 4 a.m. and got up at 6 because now I'm tired and I'm ineffective. Do you follow? We, we can't just own a moment there's something in us that says, man, yeah, this moment's great, but oh, I still have tomorrow. I'm still going to have to deal with it. 
You had those moments where it's like, you know something's coming or you know that you've got, I mean, I, I'll try to go back. Like, oh my gosh, there's a test coming at school, right? Like you're in high school and you're like, I have a choice here. I can study or I can go play. Now my personality was, I'm gonna go play, right? That'll work itself out. Didn't always work itself out, right? Sometimes it did. Sometimes I got lucky and just putting C on every answer worked. But sometimes it was a mess. And then I had to go back and go, why did I do that? Eternity. It, we, we don't define ourselves by one day. We don't define ourselves by one moment. We don't have the ability to... to prevent what's going to come in the future. We don't have the ability to negate the ramifications, both good and bad, of what's to come based upon what we do today. We know a moment can change your life. I had a friend who was a decent guy, got drunk one night, got in his car, killed a kid. In 30 seconds, his life completely changed for the rest. That's it. We know that can happen, right? We're, it, what we do today matters. It's, it's grounded in eternity. We're eternal beings, but we're also finite beings. And that's, that's the push here. Because we're, because we're geared for eternity, it makes us want to control it. But we're still a created being. Says he has put eternity in man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God is in control. God is never shocked. He's sovereign. He transcends time. He said, you're going to exist in a world that has 24-hour days, but he doesn't. And that's what makes things crazy when you think about it. And and in all honesty, there's some comfort in it if you'll let there be. When you understand that God is good, just, loving, and 100% sovereign, and you take all of those character traits of God and combine them together through a knowledge of Jesus, then what you realize is, I don't want to be the one that's in control. What you also realize is because he's sovereign, it means that you're not going through anything that he didn't know you were going to go through. That's key. I, I, I've processed this idea. Like, There's a theology out there right now that talks about God just kind of being this absentee God where he's created the world and then he kind of steps back and he's like, okay, human experiment. Let's see what goes on. And then when things happen, he gets shocked. God wasn't shocked when Adam sinned. Jesus wasn't a response to sin. He was already the plan. Like, that changes everything. God knew that there was a very specific time in history when he was going to send his son to redeem the world. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. In the fullness of time, God sent his son for the redemption right? In the fullness of time. Fullness of whose time? My time? No. Whose? His time. What does that even mean, the fullness of time? I don't know. 
God doesn't think in 24-hour segments. I mean, he can, but he transcends all of that, and we don't grasp it. We're worried about tomorrow, and he's already going, I've seen tomorrow, you're fine. You're going to go through some stuff. Some of it I've really, I've like ordained that you're going to go through. Others, I knew you were going to go through because you made some dumb choices and you're going to have to go through them, but I'm still going to use that because I'm sovereign. The idea here that God is sovereign in time and he's the one that controls it freaks you out a little bit, but at the same time you go, oh, this isn't an accident. Here, let me... Let me explain the comfort in it. You're going through what you're going through right now because you're intended to go through it by a sovereign God who loves you. Doesn't that change everything? Think about things you've gone through that are hard and come out better. Because I think, I think sometimes when we think about time and God's sovereignty, there's moments where we're like, Have you, okay, you've gone through this, where it's like, man, I just got hit. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, man, something just like nailed me in life. And then it seems like the next thing comes and the next thing comes. And sometimes you're not complaining about what you're going through. You're just complaining about why God would put you through it right now. Isn't that interesting when you think about it? It's like, I could get, I, Lord, by your grace, I can get through this, but how many things are you going to pile on to me right now? Like, it just seems like it's one hit right after the other, right after the other, right after the other. And it's exhausting. Why, God? He's like, it's in my time, not yours. And I'm sovereign. Trust me. What I have seen in people's response, both Christ followers and individuals who don't know Jesus can respond in the same way at times and go, God, if you love me, then why are you putting me through these things? And since I'm going through these things, it either means you don't love me or you're not there, right? And God's going, no, that's not even close. I mean, we got to look at Jesus again. It always comes back to Jesus, right? Does, when, 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 <laughs> When God the Father put Jesus on the cross, do we say, well, he doesn't love you and he doesn't care? No. It's actually an accentuated love and demonstration of his care and justice, so on and so forth. Meaning we could be going through something exhausting and hard and difficult, but God knows we're going through it. The question is, how are you going to handle going through it? That's really the question. There are times when I know that I have gone through something and I've been intended to learn something by God and I've refused to learn it because I've handled it poorly, either of my own pride, my, my refusal to just listen, my refusal to change by the power of the Holy Spirit, my refusal to repent, whatever it can be. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to make me go through it again. I love the story of Jonah because the reality is God's going to get what he wants when he wants it. But how we go through it matters. What helps us go through it? Knowing that God's sovereign. Knowing that he loves you. Knowing that nothing you're going through is a surprise. The, great, the biggest lie that the world has attempted to impose on Scripture is this. God will never give you anything you can't handle. That is such a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. 
Because here's the reality. I'm just going to be really honest with you. You can't handle anything. Like, if God's going to give you something you can't handle, he has to remove you from this earth. I am incapable of handling anything without God. The truth to that statement is God will never give you anything you can't handle without him. Everything he gives me, I cannot handle without him. I can't handle the good. I'll own it. I'll be like, yeah, see what I did? I'll I'll steal the blessings from the Lord. So will you. We, We can't buy into that lie. What we say is God is always good. Always. He always loves you. He always cares. He enhances this in verse 12 and says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to me. Do you know what this is? This passage made me cry this week over and over and over. This is permission in Christ to enjoy life. It's permission in Christ to enjoy life regardless of the circumstances that you're currently going through. You know why? Because you're going to go through them. But you have a sovereign God who loves you. You have a Savior who died for you. You have shalom in your future in Christ. Nothing removes that. What, what this is attempting to help us realize is if that if God is sovereign, then we can lean into him in every circumstance that we go through, even our sin. He has a plan for that. It was laid on Jesus, and then he says, own it, acknowledge it, repent in it, restore, because we're people of reconciliation, and enjoy your life. Solomon says, your life is a gift. Now, there's an old cliche saying, it's, life is a gift, that's why we call it the present, right? But is that how you live? Do you wake up in the morning, regardless of what you're going through, and say, breath in my lungs, heartbeat, good food possibly in my future, coffee, good people, brothers and sisters, going through the same types of things we don't have to go through alone. Every privilege that he could possibly give us to not do it on our own, the the infiltration of the Holy Spirit in your life, the grace of God in your life, the the constant reminder that he loves you so deeply. You are so so loved. And the people you're sitting next to, they don't love you half as much as the Lord loves you. You're so loved. He overwhelms us with his love. And that never goes away. It doesn't matter your circumstance. I can't tell you why we go through what we go through. All I can tell you is God is good. God is sovereign, and in him, he gives you everything that you need to enjoy your life in Christ. 
the world, the world spends its entire time attempting you to define what joy looks like and what, how you will be happy. And God goes, you don't understand. That's not going to do it. And that's all Solomon's point. If you know Jesus, you already have what you need. You don't need any more. You don't need to do more ministry to define yourself or feel significant. We get to. We get to. You get to take naps. You get to rest. You get to enjoy fruit. You get to enjoy coffee. All by the grace of God. It changes everything. You lean into God's sovereignty and you're willing to say, I'm loved, I'm cared for. He never leaves me, even in the darkest points of the desert. Are you enjoying your life? If your answer is, well, it depends, then you've missed the gospel. Lastly, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken from it. God has done it. Why? So that people fear before him. This isn't a trembling, but it is. It's a respect. When we understand that God has the ability as creator to be sovereign over everything and to control everything, and he is actually the keeper of time, that should in some ways cause us to, oh, because we don't understand that kind of power. You are friends in Christ with that power, but we also respect that power. One of the things that Christ followers attempt to do is control that power. We attempt to dictate how God's going to use his power in our life instead of just accepting the fact that because he's all-powerful, there's a lack of fear, there's a lack of respect, there's a lack of you are sovereign and therefore you know best. My timing doesn't matter even though I want it. It's your timing that matters because your timing's perfect. In the fullness of time, he sent his son. Why? Because that was the perfect moment. Not based on me. Not based on you. Based on how the Lord said, this is the moment. This is it. This is the fullness of time. He continues to do that in our life. God, I want it to go faster. God, I want to get out of this situation. God, I want to do this. God, I want you to move this way. And he's going, you don't fear me enough. Your job is not to control time, not to expect not to have seasons. Your job is to enjoy the life that I've given you through the power and grace of Jesus for his glory and your good. That is our responsibility. And it's probably the greatest privilege we'll ever be given. I mean, no matter what we go through and no matter what happens on this earth, we know what's going to happen. But you know what Jesus is literally saying? Enjoy me. 
Enjoy me. Enjoy me. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Nothing's hidden from God. Nothing. Like I said, every single person in here has come in here with something different. And I don't know what every single season you guys are in. I know some, and I pray, and, and I, I'm in a season of transition myself, right? Like we, we experience all of these things. We got to hold each other accountable. One of the questions I think that the church needs to constantly be asking is, how's your enjoyment in Jesus? Like, I know life's hard, and I'm here for you, and I'll help. I'll encourage you in Christ, but how's your enjoyment? How's the gift going? If the gospel is intended to speak to every area of our life, it's, it's, it's intended to bring that change. What needs to change as a result? For the church, this is powerful to process and it's humbling and it's convicting because we all know that there's moments when if somebody honestly came to us and said at any given point, how's your enjoyment in Christ? You would be like, there isn't any. I know he's there. I know truth. But the emotions are not following my head. How's your enjoyment in Christ? For those of you who are here and you've never met Jesus before personally, um, everything in your life and your enjoyment in your future is all going to be tied to what you do with him. Because you can't get away from him. Because he's sovereign, your entire life, even if you're sitting here and saying, I'm an atheist, I'm agnostic, the problem is you can say that, but it's not the reality. Therefore, you're going to constantly be fighting it. And do you know what's actually happening? And I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify life here because I know it's complicated, but I will tell you that ultimately you would find enjoyment in Jesus or you find misery without him. Those are the only two options. If you don't know Christ, your life is an attempt to search for something that is only found in him, which means there is no true enjoyment. All you can do is attempt to continue to own moments of time. And that's what makes life miserable because we try to control something that we can't control. So you need to know Jesus. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing another song. I'm going to pray real quick, but I want to invite you to take a moment. I'm going to invite you to take some time. Okay? And some of you need to get up and you need to stand and you need to sing with everything in you and you need to engage in praising Jesus 
And that's what's going to kick you into a greater understanding of enjoyment with him. And that's great. Some of you need to wrestle with some things. Some of you need to make some acknowledgments. Some of you may need to grab somebody and have a conversation. Some of you may need to come forward and just hit your knees and pray. Some of you may need somebody else to pray with. The Greenwalds will be over here and they want to pray with you. I don't know what's going on in here, but what I do know is that this time has been ordained by God in his sovereignty for you to respond to what you have just heard. Don't rush it. Don't fake it. Take advantage of it. God, thanks for your word. Lord, I, I pray, I pray that you would give us as a church the grace to live a life defined by the enjoyment of Jesus. Lord, I know that there's a lot of hurt. I know that there's a lot of exhaustion in this room. And I know that for many, they're looking at it and they don't see an end. And Lord, I pray that <coughs> you would meet them exactly where they are and remind them that by your grace, they can still find enjoyment in you, that their life is a gift. Lord, I, I pray for anyone in this room right now who has never come to faith in Christ, I ask, Lord, that you would move in them to help them understand that their life does not belong to them, but to you. That they are created being in the realm of your sovereignty. Lord, I ask that you would give them the grace to stop fighting against you and start enjoying their life through you. Lord, thank you for that privilege. Remind us what a privilege it is to know Jesus on a daily basis, minute by minute. Give us the grace to handle each situation and circumstance that comes with a desire to enjoy Jesus more. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.